0: Welcome to The Remarkable Leap. My name is Juliet, and I'm here to guide you on your journey towards becoming a brighter version of yourself. Every week, you'll gain inspiration and wisdom from our guests on how to embrace your fears and take your own leap of faith in your personal life or in your career. We each only get one life to live. Make it remarkable. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Juliet Lynn, and this is The Remarkable Leap. Oh my gosh, it's been almost a year since my last episode, and (laughs) it feels kind of emotional to even repeat that introduction. I know I kind of dropped off on this project, and I've gotten some messages from friends who I didn't even know listened to my podcast, but were just asking if I plan to release more episodes, so I thought that I should do this final wrap-up episode to go over what my last year and some change has been like since I quit my job and took my Remarkable Leap, and then share a few lessons that I learned, and then just a bit of advice for anyone who is currently on their journey of taking their Remarkable Leap or thinking about taking the journey. I'm so grateful for everyone who has tuned into the podcast. If you've listened to one episode, all of the episodes, even just a part of any episode. I'm so grateful to everyone for being here. Originally, when I was going to do this final episode, I thought that I would try to listen to all the past episodes and just share sort of my key takeaways from each one, but then I figured this podcast is going to remain here on whatever platform you're listening to it on, so if you really want, you could go back and listen to those episodes yourself. I thought it might just be more useful for me to just share where I've been on my journey and everything that I took away from it. Get ready, grab some tea, grab some snacks. I guess we'll just dive right in. I'll start with an overview of what I've been up to since I quit my job in December 2019. As we all are very aware, 2020 was just a crazy whirlwind of a year but basically to start from the beginning so i quit my job in december of 2019 and i went to go visit my best friend carol in arizona we took a trip to the grand canyon i believe i mentioned this in my first episode actually but that was such a healing experience for me just being in the grand canyon and being with my best friend someone who just really supports everything that I do, always makes me feel good about myself, and what was really important about that trip, I think, especially because we went to the Grand Canyon, just standing there and looking over this great expanse of nature, it really just reminded me that all the things that I was so worried about in terms of quitting my job and not knowing my next steps and all these things just became so insignificant compared to the grandeur of Earth and Mother Nature and the universe. And I think that was a really helpful realization for me to make at the beginning of my journey. So when I got back to LA, I really just had a much calmer mindset going into things. Of course, I was still nervous and I was still unsure and I was still constantly questioning whether I made the right decision, but I did have a bit more of a sense of peace in that sense. So when i quit my job, i was working on my youtube channel that i was hoping would take off and would be the thing that I would focus on. So I actually did a challenge to do Vlogmas, which is making a video every single day in December, which was obviously difficult since I was traveling, and I actually made a bunch of videos while I was with Carol, and she graciously let me spend several hours making videos, editing videos, all while staying with her. I didn't end up making a video every single day, but I ended up making around 14 or 15 videos, which is still a lot of videos. But what I realized during that time was that I just didn't love being a YouTube creator that much. I think with YouTube or with anything that you do, you really have to love it. Before you, you know, build success or build a business out of it, you really have to love it from the moment that you start doing it even before you become, I don't want to say successful because success isn't just measured by numbers or how many subscribers you have or how much money you make from it, but I guess before it becomes a sustainable business, you really have to enjoy it. And I just didn't love filming all the time, editing, making thumbnails, doing descriptions, like all of the stuff that it requires to be a YouTuber. It just didn't become a huge passion of mine which was very hard for me to let go because I think becoming a YouTuber was the only sort of viable option that I saw for myself. Because when I was growing up, I watched a lot of YouTube and I really looked up to YouTube creators and I sort of saw that as the one alternative to having a 9-to-5 job. I didn't really have any context for what else you could do as a job outside of that. So that was kind of what I was hoping to do. I was like, okay, I quit my 9-to-5 job. I can go try and build this YouTube channel. And it kind of made me wonder, like, did I quit my job too early? Should I have explored other passions while I was working, just in case this YouTube thing didn't work out? But in retrospect, I know that I needed to quit my job to have space to explore other things, because I just wouldn't have had the capacity, both in terms of literal time, but also emotional and mental energy, So yeah, the first part was going on the trip with Carol and doing Vlogmas, realizing that I didn't really love doing YouTube. Although I still make videos sometimes and it's fun, but it's just not something that I want to put 110% of my energy into. So the other thing that I started was this podcast where I interviewed people on the leaps of faith that they took. And the whole idea was for me to be able to learn from people who had done this before me and to gain courage through their journeys and to learn how to embrace all of the fears that I had. It was a lot of fun. I ended up doing 16 episodes and got to interview some really incredible people that have just been an inspiration to me for so long. And it's so funny because when I was doing the podcast, I released one episode every single week. But at the same time, I was being very hard on myself, just saying like, oh, basically the only thing I'm working on is this podcast. I don't really have anything else going on. Like, why is it so difficult for me to do so many other things? But right now, in this moment, I'm currently working on a new podcast and I'm actually building a team around it. And as I start to delegate the tasks and sort of break down everything that I was doing on my own and now giving those Responsibilities to other people, I'm realizing how much work actually went into doing this podcast. I basically developed the concept for the show. I pitched the concept to guests and did outreach for them. I had to come up with interview questions. I hosted the show. I edited the show. I did the intros and the outros. I had to do the graphic design for the social media. I had to do all of the descriptions, I had to make the titles, I did everything for this podcast and for some reason, I was just like, why can I only do one podcast episode a week? Why am I being so lazy or why can't I push myself to do more like it's not that big of an undertaking and now I realize that I was doing a lot, and I was just being so hard on myself. And one of the difficult things about quitting your job and not having a specific tasks given to you every single day, and a manager checking in on you, is that no one ever tells you if you're doing enough. So you just don't really have a sense of, did I have a productive enough day? Was I doing enough? Or should I be pushing myself to do more? And I think, I guess, in hindsight, I could say that I was doing a lot but in the moment, it just felt like it was never enough. So yes, I was doing the podcast, and the other thing that I was spending most of my time doing was listening to other podcasts and doing a lot of reading as well. Over the course of the first six months of 2020, I read about 30 to 35 books, and most of them were very self-development heavy, a lot of looking inwards and growth, And I also did The Artist's Way several times over, which I mentioned before in my first podcast episode. But that book has really helped me so much to just sort of dig inwards to sort of heal my inner child and be able to access the creativity that is within me. And just to mention some of the other books that really helped me on my journey, in case you're interested in reading them, some of them include The Path Made Clear by Oprah Winfrey, You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Hay. The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra, Untamed by Glennon Doyle, The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, Start With Why by Simon Sinek, and The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. If you're a fan of Eileen, the founder of Lavendaire, I interviewed her for one of my podcast episodes. A lot of these book recommendations actually come from her book recommendations, so if you go on her website, you can see a whole list, and they're very much in line with the things that I was interested in learning just about self-development, about slowing down, about just knowing yourself better and learning how to navigate through the world. And the other two books that I really enjoyed, which weren't self-help books, were On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Vuong and Know My Name by Chanel Miller. And Vuong's book is fiction, but it is largely auto biographical in a sense and Chanel Miller's book is a memoir and they're both Asian authors and it really just made me feel like oh maybe I could write a book about my story because i've always loved reading and i've always loved writing and i have a distinct memory of when i was around 11 or 12 years old i was so excited about wanting to write my own novel and i opened up a a word document and started typing it out and then i froze because i thought wait am i allowed to write a character that's asian american or do i have to write it from the perspective of a white person because all of the books and media that I had consumed up until that point were pretty much from the perspective of white people and only centered white people in their story. So I thought, if I tell a story from an Asian American perspective, no one's going to want to read it. And if I tell it from a white perspective, it's not going to be an authentic perspective. So literally after having that thought... And feeling so conflicted about it, I was like, okay, well, I guess I can't write a story about myself, so I'm just not going to do this. And it's silly to think that at, at the time I was 24, reading the book by Ocean Vuong and reading the book by Chanel Miller really made me reflect and say, oh, I could write a book about myself. I could write a book about my story. There is a demand for that. And I had that experience several times in my life, more so in my mid-20s when I saw To All the Boys I've Loved Before and Crazy Rich Asians and other books and movies like that, but it really took repeatedly seeing myself in mainstream media to actually believe that that was a possibility for me. Like I said, growing up, I really thought the only alternative to a normal 9-to-5 was to become a YouTuber, because I did see a lot of YouTubers That were asian that were in that space that were really blowing up so i thought okay i could do that and i just never really thought i could do anything else outside of that so i feel like this period of time in my life has been a great opportunity to actually see what other possibilities there are for me besides what i had previously limited myself to believe the first half of 2020 was just mostly spent on reading books, listening to other podcasts, doing my own podcast, and mostly just taking in other people's stories, absorbing a lot of information, and not as much creation. And at the time, it really made me feel like I wasn't doing enough. I just told myself, I took this time off because I wanted to build something, and I don't really have that much output to really show my worth. And i think that was a very unhealthy mindset to have. looking back, i can now say that i really needed that time to assemble the building blocks that i needed to be able to build something for myself in the future. and a lot of that really involved healing my inner wounds, being able to unlock my creativity, and really allow myself to believe that i could be creative. So that brings us to May and that's sort of when a lot of things were happening in the world and in our nation, most prominently the murder of George Floyd and all of the protests that sort of swept the nation surrounding Black Lives Matter and police brutality. And that's when I really put a pause on my podcast because just in comparison to what was going on in the world, it just didn't seem like what I was talking about was really that significant anymore or more so I just didn't feel like I needed to center my narrative or my story about taking a remarkable leap during this time and I was kind of thinking about other things that might more relevant or more impactful to talk about during that time. Which is not to say that learning how to take a remarkable leap or learning how to advocate for yourself or learning how to prioritize your needs is not important because I think that is sort of the foundation that needs to exist before everything else and it can actually help a lot when you start talking about issues of social justice and how to be part of that movement. I just felt like I had gotten what I needed out of the podcast. I really felt like I understood how to embrace my fears, how to push past them, and that I was ready to work on something else. So as I started to kind of think about what I might want to talk about instead of The Remarkable Leap, I started doing a lot of book clubs with friends surrounding the topic of Black Lives Matter and white supremacy, and so I read So You Want to Talk About Race, and I read The New Jim Crow, and I had a lot of conversations with people about this topic, and I found that one of the things that felt very difficult to talk about was this concept of privilege and how we all come with different forms of privilege, whether that's based on your race, based on your gender, based on your socioeconomic status, based on your nation of origin, language, all of those things. And that's sort of how I developed the concept for my new podcast that I'm currently working on called The Privilege Podcast, where I would basically interview people one-on-one about their personal experiences with privilege and then also add in additional historical context, statistics, just to provide a better education and language around these topics. So I was essentially working on this new podcast idea And I was in conversation with a friend who was going to record the first episode with me. And then all of a sudden, and I don't know if any of you follow me on Instagram, I did post about this a little bit, but basically what happened is that I got diagnosed with cancer at the beginning of August and I (laughs) had scheduled to interview my friend on a monday but over that weekend i went to the er and was getting a bunch of tests and was in the middle of my diagnosis so i had to text my friend and tell him hey can we actually postpone this interview, I just have some stuff going on right now and I I didn't even tell him what I was going through. I actually didn't post about my cancer diagnosis until after I finished all my treatments and after the doctors told me that the cancer had left my body and I was in remission because I just didn't want to worry other people. I knew from the beginning that it was a pretty straightforward treatment. And i would most likely be fine at the end of the day so i just didn't want to worry anyone i basically told my friend hey let's put a pin on this i'll get back to you and (laughs) then like in january or february of this year i finally messaged him and was like hey remember that podcast i was talking about yeah finally ready to do that interview if you're interested so going back to when i first got diagnosed with cancer, I basically was able to start my treatment within a week of getting diagnosed, which was incredible. But because of the chemotherapy, I was extremely weak. I was in the hospital for a long time, just being monitored by the doctors and nurses just to make sure that everything was going all right. But I really couldn't do anything else. I had no energy. I was sleeping For most of the day, for the first few weeks, I didn't even really have the energy to watch TV. I barely had energy to text my friends back. I was so weak that even sitting up required assistance. My mom was cutting up my food and hand feeding it to me. Actually, the first couple of weeks or months, I was basically just drinking like a food supplement. I couldn't even eat food. So that was really a moment in time where I was just forced to stop everything I was doing and just solely focus on my physical health, which was difficult for me. And I did feel really guilty about not being productive, which is silly to say because I literally had cancer (laughs) and I literally couldn't do anything else. So at a certain point, I really just accepted. That this was my life and that i couldn't do anything else two of my really good friends bought me a switch and so once i was able to stay awake during the day a little bit i actually started playing animal crossing paper mario which was super super fun and i haven't played video games in so long. I used to play Maple Story back in seventh or eighth grade, but I didn't really grow up playing video games and I didn't really play them in college or after I graduated. So this was the first time that I was pretty much just like enjoying games for fun. But like I said, I still was feeling guilty for not being productive, which I realize is super ridiculous and it's something that I still struggle with. But at the time, it really made me aware of how pervasive this negative thought pattern was, and I realized how I needed to become more aware of it so that I could fix it. And one of the other things that really got me through this time is that I was introduced to BTS, which might seem very irrelevant, but it's actually a pretty huge part of my journey. One of my best friends sent me a video of their Tiny Desk concert, and I watched it, and I was like, oh, they're so much fun, and this is just so entertaining. It's a great way for me to get my mind off of things. I heard that BTS in Korean is Bangtan Sonyeondan, which stands for Bulletproof Boy Scouts, and BTS has stated from their inception that they wanted to be a group of artists that would be the voice of the younger generation and to call out social issues and, and really be a shield against prejudice and uh, criticism from societies And actually, their debut song, which is called No More Dream, is about how they defied society's expectations of going to school, getting a normal job, and actually pursuing their love of music and their love of singing and dancing and being entertainers. And when they were starting off, they actually were with a very small company that wasn't very reputable in the Korean entertainment market, so they were looked down upon a lot. And now, almost eight years after they have debuted, they have become the number one top-selling global artists in the world, which is absolutely incredible. Just seeing their journey really just inspired me because, as cheesy as this sounds, it just felt like they were telling me that it was okay to pursue my dreams and it was okay to pursue creativity. And I was sort of at the point where they were at the start of their career, and obviously, they didn't know that several years later they would have so much success, but they just kept putting in the hard work. They just kept putting in the time and effort into the things that they were passionate about and believed in themselves and built up this entire community that believed in them and supported them. And a lot of their big messages are about learning to love yourself, learning to follow your dreams, learning to not listen to the haters or the people who don't believe in you, and just to trust yourself and to continue developing your craft and developing yourself as a person. They also talk a lot about how your number one goal in life should just be to be happy and to find your joy and the fact that you don't even need to have a big crazy dream. If you just want to exist and be a happy person, that's fine. So yeah, midway along my cancer journey is when I discovered BTS, and I feel like they really helped me just to love myself, to believe in myself, to believe in my creativity, and just be happy as well. Anyways, I've probably gone on long enough about BTS, but If anyone ever wants to chat about them, feel free to hit me up, always happy, to discuss BTS. But basically, that sort of brings me to the end of December of 2020, when I finished my last chemotherapy treatment. And I did blood work and other tests, and the doctors told me in the beginning of January that the cancer was out of my system, which was really incredible. And it would take about one or two months for the chemo to leave my system as well, so I was still in like a rest and recovery period, which to me was really great because I was like, okay, good, I have an excuse for not being productive, which is really sad to say that I felt Like, I needed an excuse to not do anything. But to me, I just still felt like I needed to make up for the time that I wasn't doing anything. And I was so hard on myself. In between chemotherapy treatments, I would have like a one or two weeks off, or in between surgery, I would have time off. And I would just be like, okay, now that I have this time off, I feel better. Like, I need to start doing things. And even then, I knew it was ridiculous, but I couldn't help but have those thoughts of feeling like, okay, I need to be productive. And right after my last chemo treatment at the end of December, I bought a Cricut machine, which for those who don't know, it's like a die-cut machine that you can make handmade cards and things like that. And I had just thought okay, maybe I can start a handmade card shop because I really enjoy making cards for other people and this could be a way to just have like a cute little Etsy shop and I could sell the files for more passive income and I was already just having this whole business plan mapped out in my head before I ever really thought about whether I would enjoy it and I feel like that's just constantly been my mindset of just trying to come up with ways to monetize things for pretty much no reason because at this point, like, I still had all of my savings. I moved back home when I got diagnosed with cancer, so I didn't have any rent to pay. I didn't have any student loans. I didn't have any expenses, really. My parents uh, were paying for my food and I was on Medi-Cal, so I didn't have any expenses from the cancer treatments or anything like that. And on top of that, I was on disability insurance, which meant I was getting paid by the government because of my disability, and yet I still felt this need to build something to make money, and not really for the sake of making money, but to appear to the outside world that I was contributing to society, which is just so silly. So anyways, I bought this Cricut machine, and I started dabbling in handmade cards, but I realized very quickly that I didn't want to do this as a job, and I felt very bad about that actually. it almost felt like a waste of money to invest in something if i wasn't going to make a profit from it. But I had to realize I bought this because I wanted to have fun with it. I wanted to enjoy it. I wanted to make cards for other people. And I didn't need to necessarily calculate how much money I could make out of it. And I could just enjoy it. I just felt this internalized pressure to be productive and to start making money. Even though my family, my parents never said anything to me about it. Actually, at one point, my dad told me like my only job really was to get better. Obviously, knew that subconsciously maybe but actually hearing him say that really affirmed that i didn't need to push myself so hard but it was still hard anyways the whole handmade card shop eventually just dropped off and i realized that i just didn't need to rush the process of building a business and that it was okay to take more time to just figure out what my interests were and so at that point in january i thought you know what i still don't know what I want to do, and I want to explore different options before I dive right in. So I thought the best thing to do would be to sign up to take a class to learn from other people and then also be able to engage with other people. Because of COVID, most of my friends moved out of LA. I hadn't seen anyone socially anyways, so attending classes virtually was a great way for me to meet people and just to have a bit of socialization. So I took a storytelling class. I took a songwriting class, I took some improv classes, and taking some acting classes and then also doing a bit of stand-up comedy on clubhouse if anyone doesn't know what that is it's basically an audio drop in app that's on iphone only and the laugh factory which is a comedy club in los angeles has a room every single day teaching people how to do stand up comedy and giving feedback and stuff like that so i got involved with that and it's been really great just being able to take classes I think I mentioned in my first podcast episode that I signed up for an improv class at the Upright Citizens Brigade back in 2018, and that was so scary for me because it really pushed me out of my comfort zone, like, performing with other people and just being, like, silly and just not being so self-conscious about how I looked or how I was was presenting myself. And I always thought, okay, I want to take another class or I want to take a performance class, but... I was just too scared to do it. And now in this virtual setting, it was a little bit easier because it's not in person, it's a little bit more removed. So it just felt a little bit safer. And a lot of my friends were like, oh my gosh, that's so cool that you signed up for that. And it's so awesome that you just like put yourself out there. And to be honest, it was still a very scary experience for me. I remember texting multiple of my friends being like, I'm really excited about this class. Like, I think I wanna take it, should I take it? and they would just be like, yeah, Juliet, of course you should. And yet I was still so scared to do it, but eventually I just sort of entered in my credit card information and pressed the button. And once I started taking the class, I just realized that it was just such a great environment for learning um, and cultivating my creativity. And then when I went to sign up for the songwriting class, it just became a lot easier. There was still some hesitation, but I remember not needing to consult any of my friends. I just asked one of my friends that I'd taken the class previously if she recommended it. And once she said yes, I just entered in my information and booked the class. And I felt like that was progress for me. And then just signing up for all these different classes in different areas of interest have been a lot easier subsequently. So that's kind of been my journey in 2021, just taking a lot of classes. And sometimes I think I I could have started taking classes last year, and maybe I would be further ahead in my journey if I had just jumped right in. But at the beginning of 2020, I was just not in a place to be open to taking classes and open to be putting myself out there like that. And it really took me talking to other people in the podcast, reading a ton of books, listening to other podcasts. And doing the artist's ways several times to really open myself up to the idea of being a beginner at something and allowing myself to say, hey, I actually don't know anything about this topic, but I'm interested in learning. So looking back, I can say that that time that I had at the beginning of 2020 was really necessary to build the foundation for allowing me to take classes now, but at the time, I was constantly like, okay, all I'm doing is reading and all I'm doing is this podcast, like, is that really enough? And a lot of times, it just takes hindsight to realize that you need to fully just accept where you are in the moment and what you need at that moment, and you just need that time. So after my storytelling class, I actually signed up to tell a story at The Moth, which is a storytelling competition and it's actually just based on a lottery system, so you don't even know until the night of the show when they call your name if you're going to perform or not, but I practiced so hard for it. I was so excited, and I actually got chosen as the second person to perform, which was really incredible going from a storytelling class to actually performing in front of a live audience on Zoom, obviously, to over 270 people, and that was just such a new experience for me that I don't think I could have even imagined myself doing back in 2020. So I was really proud of myself. And then through Clubhouse, I also did a couple of open mics. And in one of the open mics that I did, there was another storyteller who actually reached out to me after I shared my story and said that he had been doing it for over a decade. And if I wanted some feedback, Or a mentor that he'd be happy to chat with me and through that I was able to find my first mentor which is really incredible because actually throughout my life I feel like at USC and being in the business school I had tried to find a mentor they kind of assigned me one through the school but we just didn't really click in terms of our values and I just didn't really know what I wanted out of my life back then so Nothing really panned out from that, but through the open mic, because I was doing something I was really interested in and being vulnerable and putting myself out there, it actually created a pathway for me to find a mentor in that realm, and now we meet up once a week and just talk about storytelling, we talk about stand-up comedy, we're talking about me building a one-person show, and that's just something that I wouldn't necessarily have conceived of on my own, and it was just a product of me putting myself out there into the universe and getting this incredible response. So that was really awesome. So I'm working on my storytelling, working on a one-person show, and I'm also working on my second podcast, which I talked about, which is called The Privilege Podcast. And like I said, this time last year, I was just in a place where I wasn't sure what I could do if I could make something out of my YouTube channel and I was really questioning whether I was taking my break at the right time. But in hindsight, I really realized that it was worth it and I just learned so much and everything that I did last year led me to where I am right now where I'm legitimately considering a career in the arts, whether that's in standup, acting, growing a business from my podcast And there are just so many possibilities that i wouldn't have even thought of last year and to me that is a huge sign of growth for me and really made everything worth it so i guess to really summarize the lessons that i've learned from this year and some change of a a gap year i guess we could call it is firstly that there just aren't any guarantees in life i mean there was no way i could have foreseen three months into my break that COVID-19 would break out and there would be a global pandemic and we would be in a quarantine and then eight months later I would be diagnosed with cancer and I would have been forced to quit my job anyways. And I think that we buy into this false notion that taking the path unknown is a lot scarier and a lot less stable And we think that staying on the path that we know that is comfortable means that we're safe and we can plan for everything ahead, but that's actually really not the case. There are always unknown variables in everything in life, and so if you just embrace not knowing, then it becomes much easier to pursue the unknown because you realize it's actually not more unsafe than the known. The second thing that I really learned, and I still have to constantly relearn, is that you really do not need to be productive to have value. You as an individual are already worthwhile, your existence makes you worthwhile, and you don't need to create anything, you don't need to contribute anything to society to be worthy. And sort of tied to that, the third thing I really learned is that anything that you do for yourself is inherently worthwhile. It doesn't have to have huge external payoffs. And for me, taking time off was really worth it because I was able to develop personally. I was able to unlock this inner creativity. And even if that doesn't result in me having a super successful career in the arts, or it doesn't result in me opening my own business, even if none of that happens, even if I just end up going back to a normal 9 to 5, even if I go and get a lesser paying job or doing something else, it still would have been worth it. It's just the fact that I was able to work on myself and be able to grow personally is what makes it worth it. And then the last lesson that I really want to share is that when you are deviating from the normal path, it makes it so much easier to handle when you're able to find other people that are on the same path. I think that's why the podcast was so helpful to me because I was able to talk to people that were several steps ahead of me in their remarkable leap, and they were able to give me insights that I couldn't have seen when I was in that spot. I like to use this analogy, which might be kind of strange, but... It's like when you're in this moment of uncertainty, it's kind of like you're standing in the fog and you can't see anything outside of the fog. But there's a person who is standing outside of the fog, who already made it through the fog, and they can see so clearly that if you just took five steps, you would be out of the fog. And it would actually be safe for you to go outside of the fog. But because you're standing there, you have no idea what is beyond the fog at all. So it really takes someone guiding you and comforting you and reassuring you to let you know that it's safe for you to be able to take those steps. Otherwise, you might just be paralyzed into fear. You might just shrivel up into a little ball and try to wait for the fog to go away and not do anything. But because somebody else is there and they can see it, then they can guide you. And I think that we have a tendency to talk to other people that are in the fog with us, and it creates a sort of echo chamber And there are a lot of questions that remain unanswered because nobody is further ahead than the other person and nobody's willing to take a step unless somebody else is and nobody knows what direction to go in. And so when you can actually talk to people that are further along in their journey, that can really help you. And even at the time when I was interviewing people, I don't think I made all of the correlations to my life as I could have, but now that I am going back and listening to the episodes, it's so funny to see the different parallels. Like I remember my interview with Jason Wiley, the CEO and founder of Jubilee Media, and he mentioned when he left Bain to start his own nonprofit that he looked at his bank account and he had twenty or thirty thousand dollars and he was just worried when that money would run out, if he would have been able to build a successful business or not. And he said a year later, when I looked at my bank account, I was surprised that there was pretty much the same amount of money left in there because when I started telling people I wanted to quit my job and start this nonprofit a family friend reached out and said that they would be happy to house them for free in Los Angeles and so he didn't end up having to pay rent and he didn't have that many expenses and at the time I listened to that story and I was like okay well good for you but that's likely not going to happen for most people right and then I look at my situation, where when I quit my job, I looked at my savings account, I was very aware of how much money I had, and I was just under that same impression that the money would eventually run out, and I would either have built a business, or I would have to go back to the normal working world. And now, a whole year later, I actually started making money being on disability, and I stopped having to spend money on rent because I moved back home with my family so i actually now have more money (laughs) in my savings account than i did before i quit my job and it's just so funny that you never know how life will work out and i'm not saying if you quit your job that you're somehow going to end up with the same amount of money or more money obviously you have to take into consideration your finances and what makes sense and make sure you're fulfilling that maslow hierarchy of need where you have your shelter, your food, your water, all of those things before your other fulfillment needs. But it's just an example of something that someone shared with me about their path that I was able to reflect that kind of mirrored my path. And and the other really memorable takeaway from my interviews was one with Eileen Shu, the founder of Lavendaire. And one of the biggest pieces of advice that she got from someone else was to take advice from people that you look up to, whose lives you want to emulate, which I felt was super helpful because oftentimes it's hard to distinguish between whose advice is worth taking and whose advice you might not necessarily need to follow, and it makes it very confusing sometimes. And her advice really helped to figure that out. So say for example, I was talking to the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and I told them about my plan to take time off to explore my creativity and figure out what I really like to do. That CEO might tell me, you know what Juliet, that's not really a great idea, you're very early on in your career, what you want to do is keep working your way up and eventually transition to a Fortune 500 company and once you get to a certain level, then that is the time where you can have the money and flexibility to start exploring your hobbies. You can start having more fun then, but right now you really need to focus on your career. And then there might be another person who is a very successful actor who might tell me, you know what, Juliet, right now you don't have any financial obligations, you don't have a family to take care of, this is the time in your life where you really can take a risk, and if you really need to financially take care of yourself, you can do waitressing or you can do something part-time that will allow you to build your craft, figure out your creative interests, and really be able to take a chance while you're young. I might look at those two pieces of advice and say, Well, I don't know which one to take. And it's not that one is more valid than the other one, but one of them is just more relevant to your life. So you really have to look at those people and say, Okay, do I want to be like the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, or do I want? to be like that actor because if i don't want to be like a ceo of a fortune 500 company then i don't necessarily need to take their advice and if i want to be someone more like the actor then actually their advice is more relevant to me and i can start to understand that maybe their advice is something that i should consider more strongly and put more weight on so those were just some of the lessons that jumped out to me from the episodes and this podcast is still going to exist on whatever platform you're listening to it on so you can go back and listen to those episodes as a very quick summary of everything that happened i basically quit my job at the end of 2019 started reading a lot of self-help books and podcasts that helped me develop into the person that i am today and helped me tap into my creativity i also started my podcast the remarkable leap which allowed me to speak to people that were further ahead in their journeys And then I got diagnosed with cancer, had to go through chemotherapy, and that was a time that really forced me to slow down, really just start to take each day, day by day, and not worry so much about productivity, and discovered bts, learned how to love myself, learned how to find joy in life, learned that i could really just embrace the things that i wanted to do creatively and know that if i worked really hard at them, then in several years i could be really successful at it. and sometimes i wonder if i didn't get sick And I was in this place that I was now where I basically haven't really built anything, I don't really have a direction for a business that I wanted to build, and I just was still in this process of self-discovery, would I still feel that I'm in a better place now or would it have felt Like a waste of time. And I don't like to say that everything happens for a reason because I don't think I needed to have cancer, but because it happened, there were a lot of things that I was able to learn from it. And what I was able to learn was really that it's okay to slow down. It's okay to take time for yourself. You don't need to build something in order for it to have been worthwhile. Sometimes I even wonder, if I hadn't quit my job, would I have even found out about my cancer because I didn't know this at the time and I didn't find out until after all my treatments were over because I just didn't really want to know too many details, but I found out afterwards that when I was diagnosed, I already had stage 4 cancer. And The doctor said they didn't know it could have been that I had it for a couple months or a couple years. It could have accelerated very quickly, but I actually remember feeling like I had a lot of physical issues a year or two leading up to the diagnosis, and it was possible that I just ignored all those issues. I sort of looked things up online, but I never really went to the doctors to investigate it, and sometimes I just wonder if I hadn't quit my job, would I have ever caught the cancer because the way it happened is that essentially I started feeling a pain on the right side of my stomach and for several days I just thought it was maybe an inflammation and it would go away but after the third or fourth day when I was just laying in bed not being able to move and having to ask my roommates to get me food and water my roommate was like Juliet you have to go to the ER and get this figured out like it could be appendicitis it could be something worse And to think that I might not have even gone to the ER that weekend to get diagnosed with cancer really just puts a lot of things into perspective. And in some ways, you know, quitting my job might have honestly saved my life because I finally started prioritizing other things outside of career growth, like my physical uh, and mental and emotional well-being. And even if it didn't physically save my life, I think emotionally and mentally it really did change my life in a lot of ways and because of that it was so worth it to take that time off and i'm not saying that if you take your time off you're gonna discover like all these things that are physically wrong with you and mentally and emotionally but i do think that we do need to spend a little bit more time as a society just sort of taking care of our mental, emotional, and physical health, whether that's taking a week off from work, whether that's taking several months off. And you don't just need to take time off from work because you're working to build something. You can just take time off because you need to recover mentally and emotionally and physically. I think that those are my major takeaways. If I were to give any advice to anyone who is wanting to take a leap of faith, is in the process of taking a leap of faith, or maybe in the future is considering doing so, I would definitely say, first of all, like I always say, make sure you're taking care of your financial needs first. Just acknowledge that not everyone is in the same place of privilege to be able to take a break And even if your time isn't now, you can consider building up to it in the future when that is available to you. And the second thing I would say is really focus on building your emotional and mental health, doing that internal work to build a healthier foundation for yourself before you rush into any big projects or things like that, because building that foundation will allow you to just know yourself better, and then when certain opportunities or pathways come up, you have a better understanding of if that's something you actually want to pursue. The next piece is really just to take advice from people whose lives you want to emulate, And also build a community with people that you align yourself with, whether that's taking classes or finding communities through Facebook like I did with ACN, the Asian Creative Network. Just find people that are on the same path as you are so that you don't feel like you're doing it alone and you can be assured that other people are on the same path as you. If you are on your own journey, feel free to reach out to me and let me know what's going on. I would love to chat with you and support you. You can find me on Instagram at Juliet T. Lynn. You can also go back to old episodes and learn from all of the incredible people that shared their stories. You can also reach out to people whose stories or journeys that you admire. With my podcast, I really just reached out to people that I thought were really amazing people. And I didn't know if they were going to agree. I just sort of shared the personal project and the journey that I was on. And a lot of them responded almost immediately. So that's just a reminder that other people want to help you in your life, in your personal development, in your career development. And oftentimes, you really just need to put yourself out there and ask other people. And you might be surprised with who responds. If you want, you can follow me on Instagram. That's probably where you will get slightly better updates on the projects that I'm working on, and you won't have to wait an entire year to hear from me. You can also follow along on my new podcast. It's called The Privilege Podcast. You can search it up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever podcast platform that you're listening on. I actually took the effort to make sure it's distributed to even more platforms than this podcast was. You can also follow it on Instagram at The Privilege Podcast. The trailer is now out on all podcasting platforms and the first episode launches this thursday april 22nd so make sure to look out for that make sure to subscribe so you get notifications when new episodes come out i'm planning to do them once a month for now and then in the future once i get everything more assembled, I might do it more frequently, but just because this project takes a lot more research and is a lot more in-depth, I just really wanted to be conscious of what I was putting out there. So that's why that one is just once a month for now. Thank you all again so much for listening. I really appreciate you all having gone on this journey with me. It's always really heartwarming to hear when friends or people that I haven't talked to in a while tell me that they've listened to this podcast. So if you've enjoyed it, please feel free to send me a DM. Let me know what your thoughts were. Feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I know people haven't left a review in over a year or something, but I still check in on those and that's a great way for me to know how this podcast has affected you. If you gained anything from it, I would just love to hear from y'all. So Yes, that is all from me, and I guess I will sign off for the final time with the tag of the show, which is making me feel kind of emotional, but here we go. You only get one life to live. Make it remarkable. I'm your host, Juliet Lynn, and this has been The Remarkable Leap.